say my name until the city burns and the stars fade away and your scars don't hurt i will hold you till the sun comes crashing down i'm yours until the end of time hey everyone welcome to the restored to more podcast a listener supported podcast that is dedicated to restoring marriages to wholeness in christ after being affected by pornography and sexual brokenness After betraying charity with pornography and unwanted sexual behavior, we had no idea how to rebuild our relationship or even if it was possible to restore what was broken. Today, by God's grace, we have learned how to connect again, laugh again, and rebuild spiritual, emotional, and sexual intimacy to an even greater experience than before. Our goal is that as you hear our story, the stories of others, and the knowledge needed to heal, you too can have a marriage that is becoming restored to more. I'm yours until the end of time. Update everyone. Course one registrations are back open. Whoop, whoop. This is an eight week course starting Thursday, September 14th. That is designed to help you and your spouse start the journey to becoming restored to more. It will be led by R2M certified coaches, Cody and Michelle Larson. We will be focusing on how to cultivate safety and trust, healthy communication, deal with triggers, and begin to discover how God can use crisis to create closeness. You can see all the details on our website and can register today at www.restoredtomore.com slash courses. Also, if you have appreciated this podcast, a great way to say thank you is leaving a five-star rating and a positive review. These reviews help more people find the podcast and experience hope and healing. Say my name until the city. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Restored to More. Uh, We are so excited. We are going to be sharing a little bit more on the podcast. We kind of just felt led like there's some things um, that are dear to our heart. And we just want to be able to share more of our story. You know, there's only two um, episodes on the podcast that really envelop my story and Clint's story. And it was a long time ago, it feels like. And so uh, we just want to continue to allow you guys in on our journey and our story from different angles. And the more that we lead couples through courses, we just get reminded of things. We're like, man, like we really should talk about this on the podcast. Yeah. And on top of that, you guys continue to reach out and you're like, Hey, can you do a podcast on this and a podcast on this? And it is sometimes hard to find somebody who is available to teach on that topic. Somebody who is skilled on that topic and is available Mm -hmm. to teach on that at the same time. And so we want to make sure that your answers or your questions are getting answered and that we are continuing to share our story because I think there's just so much power in in relating and relatability. Yeah. We're never going to, um, we're never going to pretend like we know it all. And we are again, like, I want to say this over and over again, we are not clinicians. We are not therapists. We are not pastors. Um, we are just a couple who is sharing our story and we are just believing that God has called us to share our story and that it will plant seeds and give hope. And then he will do the rest. So today we are talking about what it is like to miss pornography, which is a super weird topic. So I think we should definitely pray before we begin. It's a good idea. Yeah, (laughs) it's a good idea. It was actually Charity's idea, Um, but it's a good idea. Thank you for saying that. Um, Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the people listening to this right now. I personally just want to pray for them right now, Lord, wherever they're at. Mm. You don't really listen to our podcast because you're excited to uh, listen to this podcast. Mm. It's not like the other podcasts that are like hobby focused Mm. or fun focused or even like, 
you know, personal development focus. These are like, oh, I listen to this because there's issues and there's problems, or maybe they're a leader and maybe people are coming to them in their church and they're asking for advice and a pastor has listened to this podcast weekly and just trying to get insights to help people. Maybe they're a small group leader for young men or young women trying to just understand pornography and sexual brokenness and betrayal and what that looks like and what it does to a person. More often than not, God, I think the people who listen to this are couples who've gone through this that have a similar story to us and they're hurting and they're in pain and they're they're trying to have hope. They're trying to move forward and it's really tough to mm. do so, God, on a daily and hourly basis. Lord, I just pray that right now they would be encouraged that right now they actually would feel your presence in this very moment and they would go, man, I know, Jesus, that you are with me, that you'll never forsake me, that you'll never leave me, that you're walking with me, you're in front of me, you're behind me, you're actually the one holding me up right now with your righteous right hand, allowing me to be right here in this moment, listening to this podcast, whatever you're doing, I just would tell you right now that Jesus is with you and he's got you and he's led you this far, he's gonna keep leading you and all he requires of us is that we would surrender and humble ourselves and, and let him lead us. Jesus, thank you so much, God, that you're always providing, you're always guiding, and you're always talking to us. You're always willing to have a conversation, Lord, that we would be able to quiet ourselves enough to hear your voice, to hear what's next, to hear that you have got us, to hear your precious promises, God, that you have told us about and have written out in your word, that we would be mindful of them right now, and that we'd be actually able to feel your presence and know that you are with us. God, even if we can't feel you, we can know that you're with us, that you never leave us or forsake us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much. Bless our time right now. Bless this conversation. We kind of have an outline, God, but our agenda is always that you would speak through us and take over every episode that we ever record. In your name, amen. Amen. So we were in a group that we were leading this week, and a um, someone in the group was just talking about missing pornography. And we're like, oh my gosh, we need to talk about this. Uh, is this, you know, because this is definitely something that was part of our story. And, um, we're like, well, what better way than talk about it on the podcast so that yeah. thousands of people can listen <laughs> and, uh, hopefully it just resonates with you. And so I just want to kind of share with you the beginning of, um, where this happened in our own relationship. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget the words of Clinton saying that to me. So we were early on in recovery and I remember him just, feeling sad and, and just grieving after a therapy session. And I remember him looking at me and saying, charity, I'm, I'm grieving over missing pornography. And I was like, what (laughs) just came out of your mouth? Are you, are you, was that a serious saying? Was that serious that you just said that? And, uh, I was shocked. I was shocked that that came out of your mouth. I was just really taken back by the fact that you're like, I miss pornography. I'm like, why would you ever miss something that was so hurtful and ugly and damaging? And, and we talked about it more, but I just want to even just like start with that. Can I ask you a question about that? Yeah. What did you feel? Like, I know that you don't have your feelings word list in front of you that we've created, but what would you say in that moment you felt when I said that? I would say I felt disturbed and disgusted. Mm. Because I I did I didn't understand. I was so disturbed at the fact like why would you why would you miss something that was so damaging to you to me to our relationship? Wow. And then I was kind of just disgusted like, ew like yeah. that doesn't make that didn't make sense to me. Yeah. Um, I didn't understand it at all. Mm. But the more that we kind of I was like 
talk to me. What does that mean? And do you miss it so much that you want to go back to it? Does that mean like, okay, you're going to go back to it. You miss it so much. So I'm, I'm grateful that we kind of like dug deep into what you meant by that. Well, I'm really grateful you were curious. It's a pretty big deal. Um, so yeah, well, basically what happened was I'll never forget. I was in a therapy session and I was just kind of describing it. And my therapist was like, Oh, so do you feel like you miss it? And I was like, what? And the reason why I responded with like, Oh my gosh, no, never ever. Um, was because kind of the way the church teaches it, right. That we're taught to hate the things that God hates. Mm -hmm. And I think there's nothing wrong with that for sure. Getting to a place eventually where we do hate the things that the Lord hates and the Lord hates a lot of things. If you read the old Testament, he's very adamant what God hates. And even in the new Testament, Jesus reiterates the things that God hates. God hates divorce. Um, God, God hates lying. God hates dishonesty. Uh, so many different things that God hates. It would take me forever to list them all. But so there was always this thing like, I need to hate it. And today I totally agree that I do. I need to hate the things that God hates. But in that moment, I was like, well, I, I'm not allowed to miss it. Mm. And I'll never forget my therapist saying, you know, it's actually normal to grieve the loss of an addiction because that addiction created a relationship. And that addiction, it it, it really promoted answers and solved problems uh, that you actually were feeling. And so it was an illegitimate way to meet legit needs. And so at the same time, you still used it over and over and over again to try and meet those needs. So by doing so, a relationship was formed with an addiction. And it's normal when that is gone for a certain period of time to look back and actually miss it. And I, when he said that, it was like I was allowed to do something that I wasn't allowing myself to do. I never allowed myself to miss it or to grieve it or to even understand. I think so many times uh, sexual addiction, pornography, masturbation is something we just want to avoid at all costs. And so we never take time to analyze what were the problems I was trying to use sexuality to solve? What were the things in my heart that it, it posed to be a release of or to, to be a comfort of? And I had to go on this journey. And so I think by me actually understanding that I had built a relationship with pornography and masturbation, I could then take the next steps to analyzing the relationship and understanding it more and even crying over it, which is so interesting. I like that word better than weird because weird is negative, right? Like when you say something's weird, there's a negative connotation to it. It's so interesting and intriguing to understand how we can miss something that was so damaging, so hurtful and painful. Um, yeah. And, and I love that when you were talking to me, you were sharing with me how pornography, when you were using it, it was something that um, was a binky, you know, when you wanted comfort, it was something that you celebrated yeah. with, yeah. right? I mean, it, you did everything with it, every emotion yeah. you, it was there. Yeah. Right. It, it experienced every emotion there with you. So it yeah. makes sense that it was like a friend yeah. who just listened, which is so weird to like, when you yeah. really think about like what we're saying right now. Um, because the, but that this solution 
just Comfort, sat with yeah. you, comforted you, yeah. celebrated with you, and it was the friend yeah. that you had that you didn't you didn't have to get a friend because you had this. Yeah, it's true. There's all kinds of emotions, right? Like, let's say there was. Uh, I, I've tried to relate it to different hobbies that I have or other guys have had. And it's almost like, you know, when you're, when you're bored and you just want to veg, you pull out a video game or you pull up YouTube or you pull up things like that, that are acceptable. Um, and, and you're like, you're hanging out with it. You know, let's say I wanted to go in my garage and work on a car that would be like a hobby. And that was what pornography was at times. Just very curious. Like, Oh, I wonder, I wonder what this is, or I wonder what that is, or, you know, I've never looked up this before and I'm looking up that. And so it was like an intriguing, a curiosity, an engaging thing that I would use. Um, let's say I was sad. Let's say I had, you know, felt really down. Well, pornography and masturbation were there to make me feel comforted, uh, like a binky for a child or a blanket to make me feel safe. Let's say there was an unsafe situation or I was put down or I felt unworthy or I felt shame. Maybe I didn't do well in something in my life and I felt shame for not performing well. Well, the pornography and masturbation component told me that it was okay that I could perform here. I was acceptable here. I was accepted here in this area. Um, there was so many different things. Uh, a, a thing j- just, just to comfort all these different areas. If I was really stressed out, I could go there and just, man, the, the serotonin that would hit my brain after a, after an orgasm was so relaxing. I could finally fall asleep versus feel all this anxiety and stress in my body. And so you're, you're totally right, Charity. Like it was just something that was completely effortless. I didn't have to actually risk rejection. When you, mm. when you, te- when I text a friend mm. right now, and I say, hey, make me hang out. He says, no, man, I'm busy hanging out with somebody else. Whoa, I feel totally rejected. Mm-hmm. Pornography never rejected me. Mm-hmm. It never left me hanging in that regard. It was always there. It was always accessible. Um, it was never too busy for me. And I, I never had flaws. Sometimes I hang out with a buddy and I hang out with a friend that, that says some things that make me feel bad. Mm-hmm. You know, it never really made me feel bad when I was engaged with it. Mm-hmm. Of course, afterward, there's so many different things we could talk about. The shame, the condemnation, the guilt, the feelings of just grossness. But in the middle of it, there wasn't that. There was just total enjoyment. Mm-hmm. And that, that's why, in my opinion, it's just such a, a strong addiction. Because in the middle of it, there, there, you're not, there isn't a lot of pain that I'm experiencing. It all comes afterward. And I, I would easily forget about the after effects. Um, I would look at what it was going to be like experience it in the middle of it. Well, I think, you know, we, we've talked about this with some other people and I think you don't realize how damaging the experience of pornography is until you're in a relationship under one roof with that person. Yeah. And because now you actually have somebody else that is impacted and, yeah. and it gets the other sides, right? Where you're just by yourself. So yes, you feel shame and, you know, just negative repercussions, but now you're living with somebody that you can share those emotions with and instead choosing to run to something quote unquote easier. Right. Um, I want to ask you something, you know, when you were missing it, was there a sense of like you lost your identity where you didn't like know, because I'm just imagining you're probably like, well, who am I without pornography and where do I run to and where do I go to with all these emotions now? And did you feel like this sense of identity? Like I just lost my best friend. So now who am I and where am I and what do I do? I'm so glad you asked that question. And I know that we have some notes and that question is not our notes. And I feel like it was just a divine intervention that you asked that because I completely lost my identity. Mm. Um, 
and you probably know the answer before you asked it because you got to live that out watching me. But I, uh, I didn't know what to do. Uh, we were in a conversation last night with a group, a course that we're leading. And I'm so grateful for the people in these courses, man. Just a little quick plug. If you haven't really checked out our courses yet, you should go online and look up them. We've, we've had so many couples go through it and they just, they continue to grow. And the community that's developed in these is probably my favorite thing to watch. Mm-hmm. Charity and I most of the time were like, and we're just sitting here being quiet again mm-hmm. because we just kind of facilitate the meeting and lead the conversation. But then the conversation takes off and there's tears and there's breakthrough and there's hope and there's sadness and there's grieving and there's connection. And then you see a husband and wife maybe put his arm around her and her head goes on his shoulder. And you're just like, oh, like that's why we do it. You know, mm-hmm. and it's awesome. So these podcasts are great and you can get tips and, and nuggets. But man, you're going to get the meat and potatoes when you jump into a course and are really willing to do the work side by side with your spouse. And I say that because a guy mentioned the other day that once this was out of his life for even just a few months, he just didn't know who he was. And I just was like, oh my gosh, that was me. I had all these desires in my life going back to just getting to know me a little bit. I started music at the age of 14 years old playing guitar. I started leading worship for my youth group at uh, 14 and a half. And, um, and that was really fun. I did sports. I played tennis. Uh, I was into acting. I was into singing. I got into college and uh, I did music performance for about a year and then I did um, music for a year and then I changed over to business and studied business for a couple of years. And throughout this entire time, if I look back, I feel like I was just robbed. I feel like I never got to fill, figure out my potential in those areas of music. I never got to really build awesome, strong, really strong friendships because of pornography. It got in the way of that. I feel like every time I needed to push through when something was hard, I gave up because I had an easy way out with my addiction. And so once I began to get sober and really, I'm talking like actual heart change, not just white knuckling it, but like sobriety and really what people call recovery for like three to six months. I didn't have a lot of hobbies. I didn't have a lot of friends. Nobody really knew me except for the guys I was in recovery with. And those guys were great, but a lot of them were 20, 30 years older than me. So here I am, 25 years old, and the youngest guy in the group's 45 or 55, and we're just in different life stages. They have like kids, and mm-hmm. I, did, I was like, I have a little kid, you know. But I just couldn't connect with these guys in these groups for a while, and it felt very lonely. I didn't have guys my age that understood me, and didn't have hobbies, and 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 didn't have like things to do when I was bored. And my relationship with Jesus was just be really really building during recovery. And that was probably the closest friendship I had actually was probably with the Lord. Me and you were really rocky. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like we were in this best friend zone again. We were like, hi, mm-hmm. I didn't relapse. And you're like, that's good. And you're like, I'm learning how to forgive you. I'm like, that's good. And, okay. Let's eat dinner now. Mm-hmm. You know, and every week we try to do the, the you know, our, our touch points, but yeah, I just didn't know who I was. Mm-hmm. And so it began this journey of, okay, what am I going to do? And, my opinion, this is one of the hardest times because I had to get back into things that I had neglected for a long time. And I had to get back into things that, that were, um, that I was kind of scared to do. And it's like a midlife crisis. It really was. I mean, and you're like, and you're like, it's like you're reinventing yourself yeah, and starting over, which is so not easy to do and very humbling. And it makes sense why guys just keep running back to it. Cause it's 100%. harder to 100%. come face to face with all this stuff. I had to learn how to celebrate in different ways when yeah. things were really good. I had to learn how to celebrate. 
How do, that's crazy, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not on social media. I can't yeah. post something on social media and get a bunch of likes and celebrate third people be like, way to go. Like, I'm not on social media. I have to like text people. I'm like, how do you celebrate a good thing in life? Hmm. You know, what do you do? And and so I had to learn how to celebrate. I had to learn how to be excited or journal or or call somebody and say, "Man, I'm so pumped right now! Like this just happened." And it was like little things. Like maybe I did I did a I did P90X in the in like later on. I had to learn how to celebrate the results. And so I was I actually had some guys that I connected to and said, "Hey, can we go on some workout stuff together?" And they were excited for me. And that was I had to learn how to celebrate in a very healthy way. Mm. I had to learn how to be alone. I'll never forget that being by myself was one of the hardest things mm. because when I was by myself is when I acted out. Mm. And so now I have to learn how to sit by myself and not act out. And I learned that obviously I'm never alone with Christ, but even being alone with Jesus, not with another person or with something else to cure my loneliness mm. was really, really hard. Mm. I remember that I had to learn how to build friendships. And so we were in a small group of people. Mm. We went to the beach. and I'll never forget the amount of anxiety I mm-hmm. felt in my body when we were showing up to the beach one day to hang out with some friends that I didn't know. They weren't really friends yet. They were just, my charity had a cousin who had some friends and she said, hey, if you guys are looking for friends, I have friends. Mm -hmm. We're like, thank you for inviting us to be friends with your friends. And so we got invited to the beach to go hang out and literally the amount of anxiety that filled my body because I'm like, I don't know what to talk about. Is This isn't recovery. These aren't recovery brothers. So we're not gonna talk recovery. They probably aren't even as real as I might be now because I'm in the middle of my recovery journey. So I have to talk about things that I don't have a huge interest in. I'm not a big sports guy, which is even worse because it was like, I, I, I at the time, I really didn't like beer and I thought there was going to be a beer and I'm like, I'm not a really big beer guy. That's mm-hmm. that's going to be interesting. I'm not a big sports guy, so I don't have a sports team. I don't have a football team or a baseball team. And these guys all have hobbies that I don't have. I'm barely getting into some hobbies and they have like developed hobbies. And so it was just like, oh man, like that's pretty stressful. Mm -hmm. And I had to learn how to do all that. So you're right, Cher. It was like a midlife crisis. I picked up surfing and I was absolutely terrible, but I always wanted to learn how to surf. What I, can I, can I add something though? Mm -hmm. Here's the deal. When you get to recreate yourself, it's like you have a blank canvas. Mm -hmm. So I literally sat down with my therapist and this is kind of after grieving the relationship with pornography for a bit. But once I was ready to move on, because I think that's what has to happen. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, now I have to move on. And my therapist was like, so Clinton, what do you want to do? And I'm like, this is the question I got asked in high school. Mm-hmm. Here I was graduating and I get to start over. And he's like, you do, you get to start over right now. What do you want to do? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, And I started going through this list and maybe we'll do another podcast someday about that. But this list of, I want to learn how to do, I want to learn how to surf. I want to learn how to get back into music. And I got a piano teacher online and I started picking up piano again. And my piano skills right now are they're, they're like a thousand times better than they've ever been. They're still not good enough to make a YouTube premiere, but maybe someday. Um, but they're a thousand times better. And I was able to be present with my kids. I started reading parenting books. I said, I want to be a good dad. I want to be a good husband. Started reading books about marriage and showing up authentically. I wanted to be a leader in this space of recovery and obviously restored to more was birthed around that time. There were all these things I really wanted to do and become and know how to be by myself. Certain spiritual disciplines I wanted to develop mm-hmm. that were really hard, but I was willing to could go through them. And I think what I learned at like in literally mid-20s, like almost 30, was that everything you want to learn how to do is going to suck mm-hmm. for like two to three years. Yeah, yeah. I got sorry, you're 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 doing great stuff here and you're sharing great stuff, but I got I gotta like pause really quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please do. Go ahead. Sorry. I, I do I just went on. What 
why do you believe that you couldn't do those things and be in your addiction? Like, why now could you do those things, but you couldn't when you were in your addiction? A few things come to mind. Space. I now have time. Pornography took up hours, hours and hours and hours. If I wasn't watching pornography and masturbating, I was thinking about what I was going to watch and masturbate mm-hmm. to. If I wasn't thinking about what I was going to watch, I was thinking about where I was going to watch it. Where's my access point? If I wasn't thinking about where I was going to watch it or what I was going to watch or wasn't watching it, I was thinking about thinking about when I was going to watch it, what I was going to do, or when the opportunity was going to arise. And if I wasn't thinking about those things, I was thinking about how to not watch it. And I was thinking about how to battle it and how to avoid it and how to all these things. And so you talk about just consuming my life, consuming my life. And if I wasn't doing those things, I was at a job working. Or I was doing things around the house, mm-hmm. the to-dos that we all have on a daily basis, working a job, making a meal, do, getting ready, cleaning up. And so there's only a few hours of, I think there's only a few hours a day that we all have that aren't really taken up by things that we choose to do or things that we do choose to do. And so with that, like four to five hours, maybe six, if we're really blessed to have that free time to choose what we're going to do, we're either going to be very intentional with it. Or if you're like me and you struggle with addiction, addiction is going to take over those hours. Do you think that you ever got to a place where you are doing hobbies in your addiction, but then when the hobby got hard, you stopped because pornography, like the when it got hard, yeah. you experienced all these Absolutely. emotions, right? You're experiencing Absolutely. like, ah, oh, I can't do this. I'm not worthy. Yeah. Da, 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 all these beliefs. And so then those beliefs led you into like, it just like capped you at this place and it made you go Go back back to to pornography. Yeah. yeah, To like comfort you in those feelings. I think what we're talking about is emotional maturity. You know, we're talking about facing emotions and knowing how to handle them in a healthy way. And, and really I think it keeps going back to what we talked about grieving the loss of a toxic relationship. Mm. That's really what it is. I mean, you can call it an addiction. You can call it a toxic relationship. You can talk, talk it about unwanted sexual behavior, unwanted sexual habits, But when we look at it through this lens, and I think there's different times to look at it through different lenses, and this lens would be, what about this relationship that was easy? I mean, how many guys can say that when things go bad, they have that person they can always call. Let's say they're not married, they're dating, they're they're playing the field, you know, they're they're whatever they're doing. There's always maybe that one person they can call. They know, like, oh yeah, we have a relationship where I can just call this person, and I'm not even talking about like hooking up and having sex. That too, maybe, but I'm saying like even just for a text message conversation, just to be like, hey, how are you doing? And and just be like, oh, I'm doing good. How are you? Just to feel connected. And I think what had to happen is I had to analyze that relationship and go, I've used this my whole life. Has it been helpful or hurtful? Has it actually solved these problems or has it brought more pain into my life? So yeah, I think I was tempted previously, but I think now what was happening was the longer I was sober, the more I was maturing, the more I was spiritually developing, the more I was walking with Christ, Christ was giving me the ability to say no to certain things that were harmful, but even he was helping me say yes to things that were helpful. And even on days, so surfing is a great example. Surfing, I told my therapist when I how to surf. He said, man, learning a new hobby in recovery is awesome. It's a great thing to do. I said, here's the problem. Surfing is probably the hardest sport because you're going against gravity and it's like different than playing basketball or, or playing tennis or picking up racquetball or playing anything else because it is tough. And most surfers will say that their first two years learning sucked. 
And I have to learn how to suck as a grown man. Like that's a bad deal. I have to learn how to fall all the time. And on top of that, my father-in-law was an amazing surfer. My brother-in-law was a sponsored surfer. And so I'm going to have to get into this space and like really humble myself and ask questions from people who are really, really good. And they're full of grace, but they're really, really good. And, and so it was challenging. And so literally every day for a year, I just sucked. I was terrible. I would get my board. I would wax it. I'd get out there and I would just literally fall off my board for like a solid 45 minutes to an hour. I would be absolutely exhausted. I could barely get out there every day and paddle out. And I just kept saying, I just got to get 1% better every day, 1% better. And there's so much mindset, right? So much success mindset. And we read success, success books all the time and they're great. But I think that it takes somebody who is somewhat emotionally mature to begin that journey and not have an addiction they're going to as an easy way out on a regular basis. Yeah. I I can't tell you enough. Like I really feel like I've seen you grow so much in just you moving past barriers and just seeing your potential just Mm. be so much greater when this is out because your self-talk is different now. You believe that you are worthy, that you can achieve things, you can accomplish things. You believe in yourself because pornography, all these beliefs of shame and condemnation and I'm not good enough and I'm not worthy. And if you really knew, you knew what I was doing and it just, it lowered your belief in yourself that you could accomplish something Mm, and do something and seeing you grow out of that into who you are today, just seeing how much more you've been able to be the person that God's created you to be, you know, because you don't have all these beliefs anymore that are ruling your life because you're running back to something that makes that belief just like blow up so Mm. much more. And so I just want to say too, like, thank you for saying that. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Mm. And I just want to say too, you know, it makes so much sense when you share everything that you did, why you would be grieving, you know? Yeah. And I really believe that we are both grieving and we may not understand each other's Mm. grief. Wow, that's powerful. But we are both grieving and we're grieving over different things and we will not understand each other. I don't think we can understand each other because I haven't gone through what you've gone through and you haven't gone through what I've gone through, but there still can be this connection point And I always want couples who are listening to our story to know that there are so many emotions that Mm. you both are experiencing that are so similar. Wow. The experiences of the certain circumstance that you're going through are not the same. Yeah. But the emotions are. Yeah. And me and you always talk about how you can connect so much over experiencing the same emotions. You don't need to have the same circumstance, right? But you still can connect so deeply on the feelings. And I think that's what we both did is I realized, whoa, you're grieving? Because at first I didn't understand it. I did not understand why you were grieving. And then I just said, okay, this is your journey. This is your process. It makes sense because this was your best friend. When I heard it all, it didn't make sense logically to me because I've never understood that. But I could... I could put myself in the shoes of, oh, you know, I've lost a best friend, but nothing to the extent that you have. And so realizing and that you were grieving. We're talking from 11 years old. Oh my gosh. We're talking over a decade mm-hmm. of, of daily being there mm-hmm. at times. Sometimes more than once daily. Mm-hmm. Keep going. And so not having that thing anymore in your life yeah. is like, whoa, 
you know, and then vice versa with me, me grieving the relationship and what I thought that we had and the marriage I thought we had and being able to connect on that Mm. was really healing for us in our relationship. I didn't realize that I had to grieve. So honestly, what I'm hoping for in this podcast, I hope you hear this and you're like, well, let me talk about this with my therapist. Mm. Let me talk about this with my coach. Let me just even analyze this and journal about it. Do I miss pornography? Do I miss masturbation? What did it do for me? What did I experience? And I think what happened was once I could actually analyze what it did for me, then I could analyze, was it a healthy relationship? I had to be very real and and almost show up in that conversation and, and realize that that's only the first part is like, do you miss it? Like, yes, I miss it. Okay. Well, it doesn't mean go back to it. Why do you miss it? What, what did that relationship do for you? What did, what did, what problems did it solve? And then from there go now, now did it really solve those problems? Let's analyze that. Because I think what happened was after I, I, after I was aware that I was allowed and I, I gave myself the ability to miss it and to go, man, I really miss this. I miss just being accepted all the time and I miss being busy and I miss, I, now I'm, I feel like I'm alone. I feel bored. I feel like something's missing from my life. I feel like, I'm, like something's missing. Mm-hmm. Then it was like, okay, well, did that even really do a good job filling it? And it was like, no, it didn't. Like it left me more hungry. It was like drinking salt water. Like I thought that it was craving, it was, it was satisfying my thirst. But actually when I, when I guzzled down salt water, I was more thirsty afterward. And I was like, ah, now I'm parched because what I was really longing for was something real. And as I began to meet those needs in a real way, in a healthy way, I no longer needed the toxic relationship, nor did I want, excuse me, nor did I want the toxic relationship. I think at some point you realize this relationship is toxic. It's not helpful. And even though it it did try to serve a purpose all these years, I can look back now and realize like, I don't, I don't need that in my life anymore. And I don't want it. I don't want to be hurt anymore. In fact, this relationship over here with this, with pornography and masturbation addiction, it actually hurt me a lot. And it hurt other things around me. It hurt my wife, it hurt my kids. It hurt my relationship with the Lord. And I think a lot of times we jump to that point. We go, yes, it's painful. It hurts. I need to get rid of it. But we never allow the full healing to take place and go, well, wh- why did you go to it? And are you going to miss it? And so it wasn't, I didn't grieve it for a long time. It wasn't like five months of grieving. It was probably for everyone. Time from is different, but for me, it wasn't very long. And I was able to cry about it and miss it and actually grieve it and then go, you know what? It is gone though. And now I want to find healthy ways to meet those needs instead of having a relationship with something that's going to be toxic and is going to cause more pain and more harm to everything in my life that I love. Oh, so good. I want to ask you a question now. Yeah. Do you still miss pornography? It's mm, a great question. You know, I think what happened is I look back and I see how it met those needs, or it didn't meet, I tried to meet those needs with pornography. But I think after after year, a couple years of sobriety, it was realizing like it didn't even meet those needs. Mm. And I tell guys now, it's like, you know, what, what did that relationship really cause in my life? And I just start crying about it because... Because there were so many things that it ruined. I think I'd be a different musical artist today. 
if I didn't, if I'd actually dedicated all that time and energy into music, I would be a different Christian today. I, I, I would be able to love more and, and be there for more people and show up. I think I'd be a more patient husband. And the one that hurts my heart the most is I know I would be a different husband and we wouldn't have this conversation. We wouldn't even be here today. I know how much it hurt you. So no, I, I definitely don't miss a toxic relationship that caused that much pain. And I'm grateful that today I know healthy ways to meet those needs of being alone or being scared or being stressed or being anxious. And it isn't just, oh, go read the Bible. I think that God's word, of course, is alive and it's real and it cuts through bone and marrow. But what's become real is the relationship with Jesus, the relationship with other believers, the relationship with you. I mean, now we're closer than ever because I can come to you with those emotions. And I can run and say, Cherry, I feel really alone. Can we just be together right now and just sit together? And you're like, yeah. And sometimes you're like, you know, right now I'm really busy. I mean, you've never really said no if I really need you. But it's not like I put all, I don't just rely on you. I rely on my friends. I have friends now. Yesterday I was on the phone with a good dude for an hour and we just talked about life. You know, it was fun. I have guys I meet up with for coffee. I have guys I Marco Polo across the world and that are doing ministry and I've, and I have hobbies. And so all these different emotions that I use priority for, for, I don't miss it anymore. If we just have the lens of relationship on, no, I don't miss that relationship anymore. And I'm really grateful for that. I'm grateful too. Um, you know, I just think that when you were talking, I just like saw stages and I really believe that you have, you can't get to the place where you're at unless you remove yourself from the relationship, mm-hmm. right? It's like you being in a toxic relationship and then you get removed. And we always talk about this, like when you put your hand up against like to your face, yeah, yeah. It, you don't know that it's a hand, right? Yeah. Like you can't see because it's so close to you. And I believe that that's what pornography is. You pornography is so close to your face. You don't really see what it is Mm. for what it is. Mm. And then when you remove it, you're like, Oh my gosh, that's a hand. Mm. And it really puts things into perspective. You have to remove something in order to see it for what it is. And I think that's what happened is once you removed yourself from what, from being so close to it, you were able to see, oh, wow, this is what it's doing to me, mm. my relationships around me. And no, I do not miss that because yeah. I've I've experienced the real thing over here. Yeah. And that's what you, you have. You've experienced so real relationships where so it's good. both people, right? Yeah. Where there's yeah. true intimacy where you are being fully known and vice versa. The other person is being yeah. fully known back with you. And mm, at the end of the day, so that's good. ultimately what you were desiring and wanting. You yeah. wanted connection. You wanted to be known and you got the opportunity yeah. to be known in other circles of men and with me and with other people. And it's been reciprocated yeah. and it's been what we were ultimately designed for. And there's no negative repercussions yeah. afterward. Sorry, keep going. Yeah, no, it's good. Mm. And I love what we're saying. Now, here's the deal. I want to say this real quick. It doesn't mean that we're never tempted. Yeah. It doesn't mean, but what we're talking about is a relationship, meaning an addiction. Mm-hmm. I'm never tempted to go back to a relationship, to a, an addiction, to a lifelong relationship with that. There are times where Satan, of course, wants to tempt and my brain wants to bring up and thinks, oh man, you know, this was legit. But that's why we talk about finishing the fantasy. 
There are times where I'm tempted to go and like, oh man, don't you miss your old life? Your life where you could do whatever you wanted and there was that you could just hide it and you could perform and you could actually be a functioning addict. And when I really continue, when I, when I, what happens is when I'm tempted and I'm really thinking about that or whatever, maybe there's, maybe it's a legit temptation. I call a buddy or I talk to you about it and I say, Hey, you know, I was having this temptation because it's not wrong to be mm-hmm. tempted. There's nothing wrong with being tempted. In fact, it might mean you're doing right, the right thing because mm-hmm. Satan wants you to go back to something that you're, where you're ineffective. But for me, I call people and I go, Hey, I need to finish. I need to talk, walk you through this temptation. Can we just walk through what would actually happen if I lived out this life? And when I walk through what that would look like, we call that finishing the fantasy. When you, when you finish out the fantasy and you really, really walk it out, it's amazing how much pain I have afterward and regret and, and just even sorrow. And it, it, it loses its power, in my opinion. So that's why there's no desire to build that relationship again with pornography masturbation because it was, it was a one-sided relationship like you're talking about. And you're right, what I longed for was a two-sided relationship and really one that only Christ can satisfy. You're, you're great. I love you. My friends are awesome. My buddies are good. My legit friendships are really good. But even all of those are going to fall short compared to Christ. And I really think that the key here was that my relationship with him got really developed. And he started meeting those needs. And he also recommended other things and showed me other things like you and friendships and even hobbies and things that are fun that he created and he intended us to do and find the fulfillment in those things and in himself above all, uh, other than obviously pornography and masturbation. So good. Well, guys, I hope that this added some sort of value or just hope, uh, to your story. And, um, I'm grateful that you guys listen into our conversation and I'm grateful, babe, that you don't miss it anymore and that you are a new man who knows how to, run to other things when your emotions get hot. Thank you, baby. I love you. Love you. All right, guys. Until next time. I'm yours until the end of time. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, follow us on Instagram, and sign up for the upcoming course. You can also connect with us on the Ask Us Anything page at RestoredToMore.com. Also, quick note. All the work at Restored to More Inc., including this podcast, is made possible by our donors and financial partners. We wouldn't be here without those who have generously given to the cause of restoration. If you ever feel led to give, you can do so on the donate page on our website, 